So Tyler, pre-pandemic, you were someone that wore sleep and not eating as a badge of honor. But post-COVID, you began incorporating more of this work-life balance into your life. And you just shared about that kind of right before we jumped into this podcast about prioritizing your wellness before anything else. I'm curious, now a few years later, looking back on it, how has that been such a positive ripple effect on you and not feeling like work, work, work is the only thing that matters in life? Yeah, I, I thought to to get the best result of myself, I just had to do the most work. And I used to always hear that analogy, you put your mask on first on a plane before you put someone else's on. And it never really stuck with me until COVID to where, you know, and that that I think applies to everything. Like you can't help others until you've helped yourself and you're in a place to help. And when you're young, you know, when you're in your early mid-20s, um, you definitely feel like you can go a lot longer and you feel like it's okay to get three to four hours of sleep. But, um, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't even operating at, at my fullest. And, and it took some time down during COVID to really realize like, oh, there's a whole another side of me that if I learn how to master my day, I could do so much more in a period of time versus this sort of like unlimited, I'll be the first up and I'll work until 3, 4 a.m. And so it's so interesting how by focusing on yourself and really learning what you enjoy in a day, what, how you get the most out of it, how do you stay healthy, uh, physically, mentally, spiritually, you could do so much more for the people during the time you've committed to them. And um, I'm, I'm so glad I learned that because change turned my whole life around. Have you felt like because you've carved out more time for the wellness, the well-being, the other aspects of your life, do you feel like you've been just as efficient, if not more productive when it comes to your, to your actual work goals? Because Way I think more. a lot of times we, we, we assume I'm not going to go to the gym this morning because it's two hours of my day. It's a distraction. I got to dive right into work because I have all these emails. But in reality, when you prioritize that, you just create this healthy internal pressure where you got seven, eight hours of work time to get it done. And there's not this, you know, 15 hour window where you're like, I just have to get things done. And you kind of, you know, take your time with it. Way more, you know, um, when you have your sort of limited window where you can get things done, you're going to be more efficient, you know, okay, I have until this time that to do these things that I've marked for myself. And so, yeah, being as organized as possible is going to get you through that knowing I, I try to plan my day out as much as I can. And there's always unexpected things out a couple this morning. But I even try to plan out when I'm going to eat by um, mm. if I have to call my mom, you know, and that's a reminder, like, I, I really try to set times for things that are personally important or professionally important. Um, and, you know, and, and really, really look at that and say, like, okay, this is how I keep a balanced day. Because if it if it starts to go off, you know, you start to feel yourself slipping and your productivity going down and, and your happiness going down. And, um, you know, I, I've always believed that we can succeed at the highest level of what we want to succeed professionally by while also being healthy and happy and prioritizing the, 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 the you know, the things in our life that at first you feel like that'll, that'll just slow you down, you know, having a relationship that'll slow you down spending time with friends and family that'll slow you down. Uh, and that makes me want to go harder. That makes me want to work more. It makes me want to uh, do more with the time I have working and appreciate sort of both sides of that. 
Yeah, I'm guilty as charged. I was the one saying the same things that the relationship, the hanging out, the grabbing a dinner on a Friday night, it's just a waste of time. It's yeah. keeping me not focused. And uh, through that experience, I've learned that it's actually just not the truth. But I'm, I want to get your your take on, you had some fire alarms this morning, right? Mm-hmm. What What do you tell yourself when those moments come? They're unexpected. It can be a wide range, I'm sure, of what that fire alarm can look like. But how do you keep yourself grounded? How do you respond to the situation rather than allowing yourself to react and let those instant emotions kind of like take over? Yeah, I, I think I've spent enough time in them and, and you know, I'm always learning more and more about myself, but I know when I need a breather and just, I, I think we feel like we always, like if someone calls and it's an emergency, you have to pick it up. It's all right to take a minute, like let yourself regroup and then, and then attend to it. Um, so just knowing when you need that space, luckily I had a really good weekend and it's Monday and I felt really ready to tackle the day and the week. Um, so I, I had the energy to go after it, but um, I tell people all the time, like if you have to put your phone down, if you need that minute, like give yourself that and come back the way you need to take your breaths, do a walk, like get a glass of water, whatever it is that'll calm you down um, and, and get you ready to, to tackle what's in front of you. Uh, you, you owe it to yourself to to give you that space, and so each person's going to be different. But for me, um, I always tell myself, like, all right, I cannot respond. I could turn my phone around for one minute. Let me go get a glass of water or like do something else to, to take my mind elsewhere, and then come back to it ready to go. My man knows how to create boundaries, and I love, love, love to hear it. That was something yeah. that we kind of uh, briefly chatted on when we were on that hike in Oregon for Jordan Tarver's wedding. Shout out to you, Jordan, if you hear this. Um, yeah. One question I had asked you was like, how do you, how do you maintain what to say yes to and what to say no to? For somebody like you, you worked the last 10 years in, in the music industry. You get invited to all these concerts, all these events throughout the country, probably throughout the world. Um, and I'm curious, like, what are maybe two to three boundaries that you've created, whether it's in work or life that you have found that have provided you the highest ROI? I probably my number one thing I'm working on is saying no more. And I I have a professional coach and she, um, she'll test me. She'll be like, it'll be a Friday night. And she'll be like, Hey, do you have time to do a session tonight to test me to make sure I'm like, no, I'm sorry. Like, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> my weekends and she's like good that was just testing you um so we're working on it very actively because I'm, I'm i'm a people pleaser it's sort of in my dna i'm my happiest helping other people and um you know it goes back to that personality of putting your mask on first you just you have to continue to to push and learn your boundaries so one of the things i do is i determine if it's personal or professional because in our industry so many things get intertwined of like Oh, this event my friends are at, so it feels personal. It's like, no, that's that's a professional event. You're going to X record labels holiday party. That's a professional event. You may know people that you like personally or have a personal relationship with, but that's that's a work event. You're not going to that to fill your own bucket. And so, I I now categorize it and and sort of know when my professional buckets start, starting to overflow, and I need to just say like no to things. But that was my biggest thing was I, I had no sort of boundary um, and, and personal, professional mixed in everything. And now I'm, I'm really, really strict on myself to say like this trip, if I'm going to New York Fashion Week, that is not a personal trip. That is a professional trip. 
I'm going with this client. I may go to a fun dinner. I may go out with some friends, but that's a professional trip. Me snowboarding with with my brothers and and family that that's a personal trip. And so, um, you know, I, I'm really I, I try to really distinguish what's what's one or the other now. And then, um, yeah, it's um, you know, sort of just going back to saying no more. I, you know, I, I thought it was I thought you'd be it would be considered rude to say no to someone that asked for help. And so I said yes to everything, but it's, I've now gotten comfortable with saying like, you know, I'm really sorry. I'm busy. If it's it's something you can email me, if it's a request and ask, like send it over, I'll look at it. But I I just, I can't do lunch. I can't do dinner. I can't hop on a call right now. It's just my, my plate's full. And I would, I'm comfortable saying that now um, versus taking the call and being upset that I took the call or taking the meeting and being upset. I took it. And I think that's the difference of being rude or not. Like to me, not answering and responding to someone that, um, you know, could be considered rude. But if you're if you're upfront with them, just be like, I'm sorry, I don't have the time or space right now. Um, that that's all you owe a person. You don't owe them any more than that. Yeah, I'm curious. Were you someone that previously was just saying yes to every like? How often? Everything is your schedule just Monday through Sunday event, a dinner, a coffee meetup, just pretty much. How can I fill my calendar so that every minute is being used by something? Everything, every show, dinner, meeting, um, which I, you know, and the thing I fight with the most was um, a lot of things that I set boundaries for myself on now, I think put me ahead at a young age. So when I see a young person doing it, I I get it. I know that like, okay, to get ahead and to um, make a difference at a young age, sometimes you have to push past boundaries that are that you may want to set later on um you know so anyone listening if you know if you're younger and you're going through it like it's okay to not be perfect exactly where you want to be yet that that's going to continue to evolve the rest of your life um so i'm not upset at myself for for doing that at an early age but yeah it was seven days a week every meal you could imagine every you know meeting six seven meetings a day you know a concert or two a night it was definitely that. Yeah. I think it. What, what you're saying though, is I think it's like not only, I think it's season of life. And I also think it's almost like a rite of passage for a lot of entrepreneurs or just people that are, you know, have a goal in sight and they need to focus in and do it. Like you're going to have those moments of the burnout. You're going to have those moments of overcommitting yourself. And then I think through time, consistency, experience, you just start to have more confidence. You have to, you have you're further along the path down in your career and you just recognize that like not going to that event isn't going to be the end of the world. And I also think you just start to find more inner peace in the stillness, in the small things and the little events rather than needing to be, you know, at the sold out staple show that happens five out of seven nights of the week. But um, yeah. I think it just speaks to the growth that you've probably had over the last probably decade at this point. Yeah. And I still feel it. You know, there's still the night where ex friend, ex artist is going to this big event and, and, um, you feel like you're missing out by not going, but, um, and there, there's times I still do go and I'm like, ah, oh, I shouldn't do it, but I'm still going to go. Um, so it, it will never be perfect and that's okay. Just like take all those things as a learning and experience and, um, and, and, you know, get better for the next time. But, um, it's, 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 you're, you're always going to work through that. and. What, one thing I've noticed is as I've gotten more priorities in my personal life that I'm, I'm actually focusing on, it's, it's allowed me to justify more of that balance versus like, 
I'm saying no to this event and I'm just going to stay at home and read. Um, or I'm just going to like stay at home and, and like be on my computer. Um, now that I have more things in my life that are meaningful that, that I do want to work towards that aren't just a work goal. It's, uh, it allows me to still like have my schedule the way I want it to. And, and, mm-hmm. um, be spending it with the person I want to be seeing or um, be doing cooking at home with a friend that, that that's something that like I personally love to do. And so um, as you get more and more of those things that become priorities in your life, I think it's, you feel okay saying no to a lot more. Yeah, that's, that's, that's beautiful, man. Honestly, it's uh, it's just accepting that the world and people are going to pull you in a million different directions. And if you aren't the person to lay and draw the line in the sand of saying this works or this doesn't work, you're just going to be getting, your phone's going to be constantly buzzing. You're going to be running from one event to the next. You're going to be literally driving yourself crazy. So it's just one of those things that with reps, you have to learn, you have to create the space. You have to identify those priorities, which you hit, right? You know, Tyler Henry's priorities and what that list looks like to you is all that matters. There doesn't need to be an explanation of why you're prioritizing those things. It's like, that's what you value. That's what matters most in the season of your life. Great. If Tyler hits me with a no to be on the podcast, I get it. It's, there's no offense. There's no personal. It's like time, season. It's not right. Let's try again three, six months from now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure it probably feels so f- like your reality now probably feels incomparable different to those USC days when you're putting on shows and losing money, you're investing all you're investing probably your savings into an artist and that turns into a zero dollar return on investment. You go in debt. I'm sure there's a lot of stories and experiences um, in comparison to now where you're at. I'm curious, how have you changed your relationship and view on failure? Because that tends to be the thing that gets so many people to stop or they take the first couple steps Things don't go according to plan and they immediately pivot and they're like, this isn't meant for me. It's not working. But you back then saw these as opportunities or learning lessons. You had to still believe in yourself even through the quote unquote failure. So how, how have you changed your perspective on failures in general over the last decade? I love them personally. Um, <laughs> it, keeps, it keeps me fired up. I'm a competitor. And uh, that was the most Kobe Bryant answer of all time. <laughs> I'm serious. I um, uh, I play to the people around me. You mm. know, if I'm playing a sport and I'm playing with people that aren't very good, like I don't play to the best of my ability versus being pushed and losing the game and going out and wanting to get the next one. Um, I do a golf. T- we started an annual golf tournament with a bunch of our friends and sort of work colleagues and people we're close with. And I lost the fir- our first year last year. Ooh. I practiced more than like, I, I played so much this last year and I, I we smoked them. It was last weekend. I, I played like I was on the tour. I didn't talk to my little brother was on the other team. I didn't speak to him for weeks. Um, I love them. It's, it's what gets me up and pushing me everyday failures. And um, I recently heard something. It was from a, an author named Walter Isaacson. And he, um, I'll send you some of his work, but he's interviewed and done a lot of the big autobiographies. Like, he didn't want to Steve Jobs is he didn't want for Elon Musk and um, some of the world's greatest minds. He's followed and lived with them for years. And one of his favorite things that both Elon and Steve Jobs shared were um, if you're not failing 20% of the time, you're not pushing yourself far enough and you're, you're too comfortable in your job and your work and your, your whatever your industry is. 
And I love that because it's easy to get there. It's easy to be like, oh, this is like we're making some money. It's it's easy. We're, we're growing this mound and and um, all is well. But um, I um, uh, Richard Branson was one of my favorite entrepreneurs growing up, and I just love that the guy failed way more than he succeeded in terms of companies he started and industries he tried to he tried to go after Coca Cola and Pepsi. Um, and, uh, and, and loved it and was like, I learned, you know, a mistake. I had so much fun doing it and we're on to the next thing. And, um, and so I, I, I truly try to wear them as a badge of honor and a learning lesson. And those early years was most important when, when nobody was watching. It was, uh, it allowed me to, to try with an artist and fail and try again and fail and try this road and fail to, when I actually got that first opportunity where I really needed to show up and, and put some numbers on the board, I, I was ready for it because I failed when nobody was paying attention. And so I, I can't express how important that is. Like start early when no one's really paying attention, make failures, learn from it, adapt, change direction, really do it. And that's part of it. Another part too is if something's uncomfortable to you or you're not good at it, I, I, everyone has a different belief. I believe go after that thing. You know, for me, public speaking isn't, if I'm not comfortable doing it, like go fucking take some classes and do public speaking, go do an improv class, go on your friend's podcast and, and learn how to be better at it because it's going to come in play some way. Um, if you're not good at accounting and, and with numbers, like go take an accounting class. Like it, it's, yeah. it's really important to be well-rounded and there's going to be things we're better at, but um, try to lean into the things as uh, an, I, I try to always have one or two things that I'm improving in or trying to learn on that I'm not very good at. And it could be a business skill, a new language, uh, uh, an instrument, a sport, uh, s- some sort of exercise it could be. But um, I, I think in those moments of growth where we're not the best and we fail, we, we, we learn the most, we grow the most. And um, that, I think that's what helps us continue to, to unlock new levels that we didn't know may, may have been there or not. Yeah, we we have to accept that not a single person we look up to or inspired by started that way. We're seeing their chapter 53 and we're at chapter three of our own career. So how in the world do we expect to be at that level? And I think that's probably the root of the cause. The problem for a lot of people is that comparison or just expecting that overnight we're supposed to be great. We're supposed to understand how to do X. In reality, it's like if you don't understand it, and like you said, the discomfort that's a great opportunity to lean into it because through that process, you're going to discover your own capabilities. You're going to learn something. And uh, I just think if more people were able to give themselves that permission to lean into the discomfort, they would be amazed with how much room for growth there is within their lives. And they would ultimately live a more fulfilled life because they'd be doing the damn thing that they actually really want to do. Can you give an example uh, of one thing that you're currently prioritizing or working on singing and, and writing singing, singing and writing is something that um i was afraid of my whole life my dad's a singer his mom was a singer i work with singers and it was one of my biggest fears my whole life and wow. um always i started taking singing always yeah i mean not 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 in a way of i'd want to do it as a profession even even remotely but um Again, that thing of like, I work in music and I'm not comfortable singing. I'll never be on a stage, but I think it's important for me to be a good manager and to be a good label executive and all these things to know what it's like to, to 
sing day in and day out on a microphone on stage in front of people. And um, I think it'll make me a better manager. And, and not only that, but I think it makes me a better speaker. And I think it will do other things, confidence and, and um, my girlfriend loves it. And so like, I, it, it adds to different areas, but um, that's one of those things to where that's like my, you put to, I'll, I'll go skydiving I'll go swim with sharks. I'll do all that. But like singing in front of a crowd or a small group of people was just like frightening to me. And then I picked up the guitar over COVID and that was sort of like the gateway to it. I was like, all right, yeah. like a little easier. I have a guitar in my hand. And then I started playing a bit and, and um, I'm loving it so much now. And I'm like feeling a new side of me unlocked. And, and um, it's like, I can understand artists more when they're in the studio and they're going through the mm. process of it. So um that's one of the ones right now. Did you ever see that video? I probably saw it a year ago. Maybe it was, I don't know, maybe two years ago. Uh, there was a video that went viral of Jack Harlow. It was him performing in front of maybe 20 people. I've seen, I've seen this clip for Travis Scott, but I also saw it for Jack Harlow. I think Jack was performing in front of 30 people in Chicago, and then it cuts to mm -hmm. like two years later, and it's now like 30,000. Have you seen that, like a clip like that for him I before? Have, I have, yeah. So when you just said... I'll never sing in front of a crowd. I just imagine I'm going to cut that clip like two years from now. It's going to be in front of like 10,000 people. Oh my <laughs> so gosh. That was the immediate thing that came to my mind when you said that. Oh my gosh. Oh, that'd be something. <laughs> but um, I, a, a book that really changed my life was Outliers. And yeah, um, great book. You know, you, you think of these people that achieve extraordinary things as like they're just born different. Like, Oh man, Travis Scott was just born with energy and how to perform, and Jack was performed with the ability to rap and its tone, and and Drake this and Kobe Bryant that, and um, while there are things that that can put us ahead in whatever career we're choosing, right? If I'm six eight, I have a better chance to succeed in the NBA than a, a five eight person. Um, and but um, it, it's really really just how you develop your skills and in what areas and the environment you're in growing up which plays such a big difference. And so that was, um, it's been a really cool perspective change to not think like people are just born different. Um, we of course have things that, that, uh, put us ahead in a certain category, but, uh, it, it's still, everything's a skill that just needs to be developed and honed and, and nurtured and, and pushed to new boundaries and whatever you're doing. Do the damn thing. People do the damn thing. I'm yeah. curious what, what, Money mindsets have you had to learn or unlearn? Well, money mindsets, can you expand on that? Yeah, a bit? like I mean, even when it comes to you can take it in business or personal, but like for example, in business, a money mindset might be uh, you know, you you bid on an opportunity or job, you don't get it and it devastates you. But now this new perspective is like there's plenty of opportunities, there's abundance, I'm gonna find the next one. Um, or you or seeing instead of seeing money from like this scarcity mindset it's like i see it as a i see it as an energy i see it as a vehicle to help get me to this next destination which is gonna help build the business yeah there's there's a couple one is um not every opportunity is meant to be taken mm. that was a big one for me to learn because i saw an opportunity to to sign an artist to invest in this company to launch a new business and i was like oh it's in front of me and i and i feel like it's going to do well i got to take it but there's, as we know, endless opportunities that will come throughout our life. And while there are some that'll be bigger than others, not, you don't have to take every single one. And I, and trust me, this is coming from someone that, that felt that to his core, like 
if it's there, I got to go and get it. Um, and, and, you know, pick the ones you actually want and you're interested in and you really believe in and, and, uh, follow through on them. You know, you'd rather be great at a few things than be okay at, add add tons of them. Sort of that sort of analogy. And so, um, yeah, not every opportunity is meant to, to go after is one. Um, another is in, and sort of in the same lane, you know, I don't think it matters what faith you come from. If you believe in a religion, spirituality, uh, destiny, whatever it may be, um, there are endless routes you can take. You know, I had, I was managing an artist five years ago. That's now, I won't, I won't say the name, but is now one of the biggest artists in the world. And I was managing them right before they had their big break. And I saw the potential. I knew the talent, um, there's a great team around this artist and I was just not in a great spot to do it. Um, it came through a friend that I really cared about and respected. And I felt like I wasn't doing the best I could do. I felt like I was too busy doing other things and I was traveling a lot for work and they really need someone that was present and on the ground with them. So I called them after, I don't know, five, six months. And I was like, listen, like I, I, I feel like it could be better and I'm, and I'm not there. And, um, I saw, I don't want you guys to feel like you have to stay with me just because we committed, you know, however many months ago. So we all respectfully split ways. Um, and that artist, like I said, is now selling out arenas and, and one of the bigger artists in the world right now. And, um, at first when they, when they started to really break, um, in my head, I'm like, crap, like that was such a big missed opportunity. Then if I, if I now go and review these past five years, I've started sturdy since then. I've started range since then. I've started and been a part of a lot of great things that I think actually will be bigger than what I would have just done if I was managing that Mm -hmm. artist. And so what seemed like this huge missed opportunity gave me actually time and space to build other things that I feel like will, will lead to a lot more in my life. So it just shows that that there's really no right or wrong direction. It's just what you decide to choose in that moment make the most of it and go at it and realize you may have missed an opportunity, but five more may have opened up that uh, are more suiting to your life and what you want to do. And so that, that was a big one for me to learn. Cause when it first happened, I was like devastated. I was really happy for them, but I was like devastated that I didn't commit more. And, and, and I think I would have pushed myself um, too far anyways, but um, uh, yeah, just as a young hustler, you sort of hate seeing that go through your fingertips. Yeah, but props to you for the transparency and the and like the authenticity of like, hey, I'm not showing up as the version of me that I can be for you guys. Like you could have easily just kept that kind of dragging along. And I bet you that they appreciated that so much, which then allowed them to get someone in position who I'm sure if you were all in could have done the same thing, but allowed them to blow up into whoever this superstar is. So props to you yeah. on that. But then also just like your ability to once again, reevaluate like your time and be honest with yourself of like, is this something that I'm fully in line and I'm excited about? Like a, one question I think is really good to ask yourself is like, if money's not an issue, do I want to keep doing this specific thing? Yes yeah. or no. And that tends mm-hmm. to be like the, I need to keep going. Like if money was the main factor of me podcasting, I would have given up six years ago and I never would have kept pursuing it. But it's, it stayed in my life because it has served such a purpose and I'll keep doing it until the day I die, because I'm not doing it for the money. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I just think props to you for the transparency, but then also just being able to also be honest with yourself. Even if people were questioning you of like, why are you going give to give up such a good act? Like they're crushing it. They're on the come up. 
it's like, it just doesn't align and it's nothing personal, but I just need to create more yeah. space for then sturdy and for range to then be developed in birth. Sturdy. I love the, the shout out now that you're wearing the merch, but I'm always curious rapping. with balancing both sturdy and range, right? At any mm-hmm. moment in time, there is probably so many moving pieces on the back end. How do you know what to focus on and when? Really good question. And, and another thing I'm constantly working on every day. Um, I, I, it just sort of goes back to planning my day and planning my weeks. I do two days at both offices. So I'm personally someone that likes to be present and with my team. I, I think I, we're seeing it again more and more from what went like, oh, I don't know if we'll get back to offices. People are like, I need to get out of my house. Uh, I just can't see the same wall every day. My, my kids are driving me crazy. My, my partner is, whatever it is. Um, I think people are enjoying getting out of their house again, uh, which is awesome because I think so much gets done being with, like, with and around people. So I do two days at each office. Um, and I do about half days because I don't get the most work done necessarily in terms of like calls and emails and things I need to do personally one-on-one. But um, a lot of ideas come from it. And, and um, we, we do meetings during those hours I'm there. And so I'm just, I'm a really scheduled person. Like I love, love sticking to my schedule. And so I sort of have recurring meetings every week. Um, but when I meet with this side of the company or this division or these people, and we really try to stick to it unless it's an emergency. And so two days at mm-hmm. each I do half days so that I have the other half of the day to really just sort of work independently and get what I need done. Um, and then I keep one day open, whether I just want to, whether I just like had a really long week and need to decompress, whether there's a meeting I had to push or miss and I want to move it to that day, whether I just want to work from home that day, I try to keep one day flexible that I can, like I said, either take some time off. I can add a couple things to it if I feel up to it. But, um, Knowing that in my head, again, I go into those two days, I'm going into sturdy being like, I need to get shit done. I'm meeting with these people. We need to get these things done because I'm not here every day. And then vice versa with range. The days I'm there, I'm like, we got to get these things done. We're not fucking around. Like it's, it's time to get to work. So, um, which I love it. I love like going in and being like time's limited. Let's get after it. Yeah. How many, how many team members on, on both sides of the company? Sturdy's at... I think we're at 42 people now, including myself, um, wow. which is amazing. Range is at 220. And then we have, yeah. And then we have 58 just in music. So, um, <laughs> yeah, okay. which is pretty much right. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm like looking over the 220 people. Um, me and my partners uh, focus, you know, 90% of our time on the music side of the company. What has been the hardest thing you've had to learn through the process of team building because for i think a lot of people and something mm-hmm. i'm going through is like delegation and trusting and putting pe- people in place to do the thing that maybe you're a week you're weak at or that you just need to reprioritize because you shouldn't be focused on x tasks when you have other things to worry on, about what's been the biggest challenge yeah. or hurdle you've over had to overcome with you know a, both businesses continuing to grow with scale yeah, you know, it's it's like you said, delegating, and in it, both companies are are um, you know, it's a service based company. We we the co- clients want to talk to myself or one of the partners. The you know, when, we're, when I'm calling Spotify, I can't 
just be like, hey, this person from my office is going to call you to pitch my artist's next album and make sure we get the support we need. It um, A lot of times people want to hear from me. And so it's, yeah, it's delegating the things that can be. Um, teaching people and teaching the leaders of certain divisions that um, it's not about you scoring the goal. It's, it's coaching a team so five people can score the goals. And so, um, you know, it's an active thing we're working on every day. But um, I'm seeing a lot of progress, which is exciting. Because um, for a while, when, when you're sort of just in startup mode, you feel like it's just you and let's say if you have a co-founder or a couple, it's just you and your friends going after it every day. And then you start to introduce a few people. And next thing you know, you're like, oh, shoot, there's departments and there's, there's proper people. You're showing up every day. It's not like we're messing around in our garage anymore. And, um, and so I'm, I'm personally really loving adding that skill to my tool belt to be able to lead and build teams. I'm, I'm finding more strength in that than me scoring the goal, if that makes sense. So like, mm. and I'm, and I'm reading a ton about it. I'm loving what I'm reading and I'm, and I'm challenging and pushing and I reflect on things I'd done in the past that weren't the best, or I made a mistake or how I didn't handle a situation correctly and reflecting on that. And, um, it, it feels like I'm, I'm like unlocking a new side of myself of, of myself as the executive and leader versus just like the person that could score the ball a lot. Wow, that's so beautiful. Putting your team in place to to execute, to trust them, to encourage them. And I really, I think it is something beautiful when any founder or someone with an idea creates something that then puts the food on the table of others. So the fact that collectively there's, you know, 280, 300 people that are able to provide for themselves through these both businesses, I think it's just it's just amazing. It's a testament to the work ethic and just the dedication you've had towards the craft over over the last ten years. And I know it's not just you. There's a team of people in place, but yeah. that's uh, man, props to you, brother. It's that's been fun. And and going back on sort of missed opportunities, um, yeah. I've been in a signing meeting with an artist, and they're like, "I don't want to talk to you. I don't want a day to day. I don't want to talk to." And I'm like, I, "I I don't think it's a great fit." Then, like, I. I We've built resources for people that do different parts of your business better than I can do. Mm. I don't spend all day on, on TikTok. So why should I be doing your socials and your digital? I don't spend all day producing records. I don't spend all day marketing tours. Like There's people better at those things than me and we've put them in place to do it. And so I've walked away from signings because they were just like, I just want you and a deal with you every day. And I'm like that. I, we know we don't spend all this money and spend all this time building these teams for me to to try and act like I, I'm your social media guru or I'm your marketing guru. I'll look over all of them and I'll be across everything. Absolutely. Um, but you know, we, we've had to step away from a few clients because they, uh, they, they just didn't think that was right for their career, which is perfectly fine. Like, uh, you know, I'm sure there's someone great for them out there, but it just goes back to that. Like you don't have to take every opportunity that's in front of you. Yeah. You got to set expectations that this is what they're signing up for. And if, you know, they want yeah. a piece of Tyler every day, it ain't going to happen, but, um, that's just, that's part of business, right? It's, uh, being aware of, Hey, this product or service might not align with you regardless of the industry. And that's okay. Take it. If you want to, yeah. you know, work together, so be it. If not, that's how I've always approached my one-on-one coaching. It's like, this is the deal. No one, you know, make the decision on you. I'm, I'm not going to follow up. I'm not going to come chasing you. If this feels right. Let's make some magic happen. If it doesn't, I'm sure there's a thousand other people 
running a coaching program that's going to work for you. So it's, it's just yeah. trusting that what's meant to be will be, Absolutely. you know, as someone who, um, you know, you, you had this once again, as years ago experience, uh, I think you were essentially day-to-day management for Drake. I'm so curious. I was, I was on the touring team. Sorry, touring sorry, team. just to correct that. All I was, right. yeah, you're right. Yeah, I was on the you're touring right. team. Yeah. Right. That's a better way to look at it. Uh, whether it's reflecting on that experience or just present, I think I might've talked to you about this a little bit when we were on that hike, whether it was that experience or just what you're aware of presently, doesn't necessarily need to be with Drake, but just any of these artists that operate a high level. I'm so curious, mm-hmm. like what is the logistics or the systems look like for some of these big talent? Because I just, I'm so, I'm so curious as to like, what's happening behind the scenes that allows them to operate at that level? Because there's so many things happening at any, at any moment in time. And I know it's, I know it's a team, but I'm curious if there's any other additional insight that you can share that would be uh, interesting. Cause I feel like so much of the listeners of this podcast are entrepreneurs, they're schedule hackers, they're looking to optimize their life and, you know, whether they're uh, trying to become talented or not, I think, seeing what an artist is, how they're operating at a high level might be interesting for them and to utilize, uh, even in their day to day. Man, it's, um, it's a lot more than I think people understand and realize. Um, you know, I'm talking entire teams of people just for their transportation logistics and security logistics teams of people just to make sure that whenever they're traveling, that they are eating according to their diet and have those sort of resources, which like seems so basic when you just sort of live in your town and you know you eat. But when you're in the middle of uh, Missouri or Wisconsin or or, or Northern Ireland, and you got to go perform for twenty thousand, fifty thousand people, like it's <laughs> your diet is so important, as we all know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's just so so many teams and people and you really have to find the best for your artists that they are just dialed and focused on that. And that one thing and, um, and uh, really treat every part of their career and life like that. So that, um, you know, it, it, it sounds silly, but if, yeah, if their food's fucked up for the day, they may have a bad show and that's on you. And that, that, that's like, it, it sounds so small, but um, I have to treat every part of it like that. If they, want to go and and you know because everything we'll never understand what it's like to have to entertain and get on that stage and write songs and and be a public figure like they are at that level every single day of their life so when they want to go out and eat somewhere go experience something in life or move around or have someone come to a show it, it seems so small to us but um it it's the matter of if they're going to have a good day and a good show and uh, you just have to treat everything that seriously for them and just, you know, you have to be really militant about every aspect. I mean, Drake would have, he had a whole team that just designed his backstage room because when he goes backstage, which he spends half his day in, it, 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 needs, it needs to smell the way he wants it to smell. It needs to look the way he wants it to look. It needs to be, there needs to be the people he wants in that room for him to go do what Drake does the best. And every, you know, those big artists all operate that way. Um, the Beyonce, the Taylor Swifts, the, you know, Ed Sheeran, whoever you can name that sort of is at the highest caliber of music. It's, it's the most detailed teams. I mean, this last Drake tour had, had a, I think it was 42 semi trucks. 
of, of gear and equipment. And, you know, and so you're talking every one of those trucks has drivers and people loading it in and out. And, and that's every city of every show where they're sleeping, you know, all what they're getting paid, what the drivers are eating, what's, you know, it's like, it's such a, you know, you're talking hundreds and hundreds of people per day to set up one of those shows that we all just go to for an hour and a half and experience. And as a manager, you have to do that for your artist or as a touring team, you have to do that for their artist. And then you have to repeat that for each artist you work with, you know, and at range, um, you know, we represent a lot now. And so it's one thing to do it when that's, you only have one artist to focus on. And then it's a whole nother thing to build and find the teams to be able to scale that across multiple artists. And it would, I think what's, what rattles me is like for both you and I, if we wake up and we feel like, you know what, today's not the day, got to clear the calendar, clear the schedule. I need a mental health day or just, I need a day to myself. We can make it happen. But these artists that are planning these tours out months, years in advance, back to back to back shows, it rattles me trying to think about just even like, all right, we need to, we need to build in one day off every four days for this artist because they're going to need that time to recharge. Or, you know, maybe there's someone that just puts the gas pedal to the metal and they just power through for, you know, four to six months, maybe a year for a tour. It's, uh, just, it seems, you know, I think outside looking, everyone wants to be that person on the stage because the money, the fame, but at the same time, I'm like, I don't think people understand what's happening behind the scenes that they're doing to commit and being on the road all the time and waking up in a new city and having no habits and routines. It's, seems like a big, big sacrifice. And obviously they love it. That's why they're doing what they do. Yeah. It's, um, it's so taxing. And yeah, like you said, just being out of your normal daily sync and rhythm, um, can really get to you. And, you know, and luckily at a bigger level, they can afford their own chef on tour, their own trainer, their own things in that nature, nicer hotel rooms. But in those early stages, when you're riding in a van and you're eating the same gas station food and fast food every day, it's uh, those artists really grind in those early years to get to that. And um, I know they enjoy it and it's fun and it's part of the journey to then enjoy even more when you have your own gourmet chef on the road. But uh, that's like, you know, when you go to see a show and it's a younger artist, like realize that, that do the math. Let's say if a thousand people can be in the venue and it's $25 a ticket, it's $25,000 for the entire show. Agent gets 10%. Manager gets 15 to 20%. Lawyers and business managers get their fee. They pay for all the cost of the equipment. If they have a band on stage, they're paying for the band. Best case scenarios, artists are netting 30, maybe 40% of a show, right? So that 25K is, is, you know, ends up being a lot less. And, um, and they have to keep just like going and going. And, um, so when you go to see shows, I always tell like people like really appreciate it because those artists are sacrificing a lot to be able to go and, and do that. And they obviously love it, but, uh, um, I hope people are really appreciating like what artists have to do to be on that stage. Oh, yeah. When you, uh, when you mentioned the, uh, you know, the early day artists, when they're driving around the van, I was, uh, did some short, short term, term man, uh, tour management, 2016, 2017. I've, I've been on that Amazing. grind and it ain't, <laughs> it ain't my cup of tea. It ain't, Let me tell you. It it ain't, ain't my pretty. cup of tea. Um, yeah. what, what did you learn about yourself through the process of training and completing your first Ironman? Ooh, great question. Um, that it's hard. <laughs> and, and if you're, and if you, um, if you 
I think any of those races, whether it's an, a, a marathon, an Ironman, or any sort of try, half, whatever, whatever you decide to do, um, every single day deciding you're going to push towards a goal an inch further, you know that, that finish line, however many miles it is down the road, I know every day I'm going to get just a bit better is really hard as we get older. Um, you don't realize like how hard it is to wake up every day and your feet are sore and, and you're exhausted and, and you got to go and do that plus work. Um, and so you, you, you know, sort of going to what I said earlier, you unlock new levels of yourself. But to me, that's, that's what life's about. Um, it, it's about really uncovering what you're capable of doing. It's about pushing the boundaries of, uh, um, of your industries and, and for me sort of going to, uh, putting that as a priority when everyone's so work oriented and what I do was really fun because everyone's like, dude, how the fuck are you doing this? Like this, <laughs> this is like, there's something going on here. Cause I don't know how you're like still working and mm-hmm. doing this. Um, and I loved it. And I really wanted to show people like you could still be successful, grow your companies build every year, um, set goals, but also go after one of the hardest races in the world. And, um, and I, I thought it'd be a really cool opportunity to, um, just again, to, to show people through example with it. But, um, I would say the biggest thing I learned about myself was that it doesn't matter what you think your limit is and what wall you've hit there, there's another notch further and it's up to you whether you want to go through it or not. And it's going to be painful it's going to be tough. Um, you may get hurt doing it, but it'll show you how bad you want something. And to me, life's about putting more things in that bucket of like, I will push and fight every day for the things that I want really badly and slowly start to discard the things that aren't as important in my life. And that race really put that into perspective to be like, all right, I, I know like I can accomplish anything. Now, let me actually put energy and efforts towards things that I want to do um, and, and, and go and go all out on them and know that like I could always go a notch up. And so uh, it brought so much of that perspective, because especially during the race, you're, you're not listening to music. You're not <laughs> on your phone. You're just, you know, either swimming or biking or running for the, you know, and my race was, was pretty long. It was about 15 hours. Um, and so you're just, you're getting deep in yourself and you're having a lot of conversations of like, what's important. Um, what, what, how you're taking a lot of doing a lot of scans of how, you know, where's my life right now? What am I happy with? What am I unhappy with? Um, what are goals? What are, you know, when I get to the end of my time, what do I want to look back and say, mm-hmm. uh, Oh wow. Okay. Like I, I, I really like things could have been different, but I, I did the most, I feel like I did the most of my time. and. Um, it, after I finished that race and everyone was like, do you want to do another one? It, I still train. I could probably go do a half tomorrow. Um, and I still actively train cause I love it, but I, I don't feel like I need to do another one. I, I maybe I'll do one later if, if I'm feeling inspired or I need another kick in the ass. But, um, it, I, I took so much from that race and I feel like I'm a better person after that. That's really focusing on prioritizing the things in my life that I want to take that extra gear a notch on yeah, and, and throwing away the stuff where I'm like, you know what, like that doesn't really serve me much purpose anymore. Yeah. I think, I think when you commit to 
these physical challenges, the marathon, the Ironman, the half marathon, maybe it's your first 5k, right? It doesn't need to be, it depends on where mm -hmm. you're at and you know, it's all scalable depending on, uh, where you're at. So meet yourself where you're at, but I think it just shows you so much about yourself and your own potential that is so easily translatable into other areas of your life. So it's like the Ironman discipline, accountability, consistency, doing things you don't want to do, but you know you need to do because otherwise you won't be able to complete the damn Ironman when it comes. Doing the training days when you don't mm -hmm. want to train, uh, you know, getting ma making sure that you're getting enough sleep. So saying no to that concert that you wanted to go to because you know you need at least seven hours of sleep, right? It just shows you so much about your commitment and what you can do when you truly set your eyes on a goal. And then it really just forces you to be so mindful about how you're actually spending your time. And yeah, I think when I did, I did three marathons in six months and that was like the biggest unlock. And I, I've been getting more inspired to want to run and get back into some, you know, endurance type training because mm -hmm. I know you're a big meditation guy, but it's, if you're out on a long bike ride or out on a long run or swimming or there's just, you, you get to this place where you can really evaluate what matters. You can, it's like a moving meditation and it allows you to dig to places that we so often easily can avoid and distract ourselves when you're on that open road for a 90 minute run and you're not listening to music. Oh, you're going deep. Mm -hmm. You got nowhere else to else to literally run your mind except to face the thoughts are clearly coming up and just being honest with yourself about how do you want to respond to them after you're not, you're done running. Yeah. And, um, you know, for me, I made a bucket list over COVID and mm -hmm. it had, um, I started a little prior and I really got into it over COVID and it, it has all these things in it. I would say 20% are professional, 80% are personal. And they're just things that I, I'll be lucky if I get through half of it. I think I'll live a great life. And um, I'm obviously going to go for all of it just in the nature of who I am. But um, it, there are things that, that more so will guide a direction versus like accomplish an individual thing. And I had an Ironman on there because I remember I looked up what was like one of the hardest day sort of like races and events that you could just like sign up for and go do and not kill yourself. And that was one of them. Um, and so I set in, I was just kind of put it out there and I was like, all right, I'll probably do that when I'm like 40 or 50. And yeah, COVID hits. And I just had this sort of uh, reawakening to be like, we don't know how long time's going to be down. Let me just start training and see how I like it. And I bought a bike and I started swimming with some friends and I started to run. I literally pulled both of my Achilles during my first 5K. I just went out and did one and I was like, forget, it. I'm just going to send it and do a 5K and I'm going to do it like... <laughs> sub seven minute miles and i was like i'm like and i pulled both my keelys i had to get wheelchaired by my friends off the beach Ooh. um hilarious day but um uh you know it, these these sort of bucket lists which i really encourage everyone to do make a bucket list it could be 10 things 50 100 um mine's still not fully 100 it's probably 80 something by now but it, it's random things that i want to do that that are sort of snapshot moments that um again, we'll, we'll sort of get you through the, the uh, we'll, we'll sort of like build different journeys in your life that you'll hopefully take something from it and learn things, meet new people, challenge yourself in different ways. Um, you know, I have everything from an Ironman on there to learn five languages, to travel to every country in the world, which is probably not even, I don't even know if that's like legally possible. 
um, or safe right now, but um, um, that's on there, you know, write and publish a book, um, you know, uh, um, you know, build a fortune 500 company. There's all these things on there that, um, that I'm using as sort of like compasses in my life. Mm. And it's fun to have one or two new things that you're just working on that, uh, that you're not great at, that you got to push yourself. And even if you just spend 20, 30 minutes, an hour every day doing it, um, it's good to give yourself things that you're doing just for you and your own personal journey rather than, uh, um, you know, you feel like you're doing it for other people. Mm, I love how you, how you said that their compass is for you. It gives you guidance on where do you want to direct your time, energy, and tension. And it just yeah. makes it so much easier for you to make decisions because you can just reevaluate. Is this opportunity, this decision going to hit any of these? If yes, we should probably do it. If no, maybe I shouldn't do it. So I love that you're using that as like a, as a, almost like a safety check for yourself. Absolutely. And the parts that we can't predict, you know, I, through doing the race, I started to get a ton of tension from, from my industry. And I was like, wait, I feel like, I think like what a cool opportunity to, to do something with this attention. And, and I, I couldn't go to a meeting without people bringing it up. It became this, this, this like thing. I would spend half my meetings just talking about training and the race and what I was going through. Um, and and I was like, you know what? I, I would love to help some sort of nonprofit raise money or get involved in some way. So I started asking around if people knew of any good younger startups and, and nonprofits that I want to do something in education or health. Um, you know, the, the, the children's hospitals and the, the American Red Cross and all these associations are, are amazing in the work they do, but they raise tens and hundreds of millions of dollars a year. Um, I really wanted to help a, a newer nonprofit that was just getting up and running and could really use a boost. And so at Range, we have um, one of our co-founders, this amazing woman named Rachel Kropa, and she runs all of our social impact and nonprofit initiatives at the company so that we're not just thinking of ways to accumulate wealth and, and grow in that way, but we're, at, we're using our influence to, to do some good in the world. I called her up. I sort of gave her my mission statement and she was like, I have this perfect one for you to meet called thinking huts. And it's this brilliant young girl that has developed three printing technology to build schools and homes around the world. And she herself was a, an adopted, she was adopted from China to an American family and just feels like she beat the odds. And she went to Harvard and Yale and has done all these amazing things. And, and, um, and wants to use her life to 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 make a difference because she feels like you know she won the lottery in essence, um, and developed this three D pr printing technology and system by twenty one years old uh, to go build these schools. And she was doing her first fundraiser and it was about a hundred grand short um, to go build her first school. And so I got involved and um, through training we raised enough money for their first build in Madagascar. Um, they've wow. built a, a series of schools now in one of their villages that uh, didn't have a school within 50 miles. And, um, and I'm now on the board of it and we're working on our next series of builds and believe it or not, building a hundred schools was on my bucket list. Wow. And who would have known like through training, I would have gotten one out of a hundred down and, and, um, you know, we're working on our next build and some fun initiatives right now. But, uh, 
you know, just again, it's the sort of cliche thing of like, it's about the journey, not the, the final destination. And by putting these new things in your life, it'll unlock something that, that um, you may have never seen, or you would have had that opportunity if you were just sort of doing your everyday rituals. Yeah, you're getting clear on what you want. And then it's almost like you're manifesting this into your reality, whether you realize it or not. I don't, regardless of what you believe, it's just putting Mm -hmm. it out to the world, whether it's to yourself on a piece of paper, this is what I want, visualizing it, thinking about it, almost tasting it and feeling it. And somehow it ends up being attracted to you. So that's, uh, that's, that's beautiful. Um, As we head into 2024, what's something you want to let go of? And what's, what's, what's something you want to add more of? I think I care too much what people think about me. And I want to let go of that. Um, I, I know the person I am. I know what I'm trying to do and accomplish in this life. Um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm crystal clear on that part, but there's still part of me that like wants everyone's likeness and approval. And it goes back to saying yes to a lot of things and not prioritizing myself at all, uh, you know, at all times. And so, um, yeah, just, I, I don't want to give a shit what people think about me. I want to be like, I know who I am. I have that yes. confidence. I have love from people around me. I love for myself. Like that's, that's all I need in this world. You know, it's a, um, so I want to let go of that this next year and I'm, and I'm working towards that and definitely have a ways to go, but, uh, that's a big one. And then you said, what do I want more of? Add more of, yep. I want to do, um, this year, the trip we met on. Um, I don't think I told you, but I was doing a solo trip for the first time ever. I went up to Bend, Oregon um, I did the first half, I did Monday through Friday there and I just did nothing. I went on bike rides, went on runs, played golf. Uh, I went and had lunch every day at this amazing park by me where I'd go run, grab a burrito and a smoothie, go run to the park. I rolled around in the grass. I just like enjoyed myself for a week with no, nothing on the agenda. I didn't know anybody up there. Um, I had no friends in Bend. I'd never been. And I like absolutely fell in love with the city. I like had a smile on my face the whole time. I talked to strangers. I read books. Um, it was such a special trip for me. And I, pro- I made a promise to myself, I'm going to do two of those a year, mm-hmm. um, you know, starting in 2024. I think I did that trip in like September this year. So uh, more, more personal trips because I, I had so many things, so many ideas came from it, so much inspiration, so much love, so much gratitude. and so. Um, I want to do more of those because I feel like it, I can. There, there's so much great that comes from that. That's beautiful, especially for hearing that from someone that, as you said earlier in this podcast, you're so scheduled and regimented and minute by minute knowing your day mm-hmm. to be able to turn that switch off and to just be and to just like see where the week takes you and having no agenda. I've had to work on that for myself, and uh, mm-hmm. Kate has been on with like you're a human being, you're not a human doing. And uh, it's taken a lot of effort to to work through that, but uh, props to you for covering all the time, and uh, we're gonna hold you to it. Two two times yep. this year, baby. You gotta you gotta allow two yourself year. two, two year. year, baby. I even and I'm even hoping, you know, and I, I'm not married and don't have kids, and so I know things change when that does. But I'm even hoping I carry it on till then. You know, it's because mm-hmm. um, again, if I could do that and take four or five days myself and come back a better partner, a better husband, a better father, whatever it is. Um, that I think, I think goes so far, and and we see so many, especially men, burn themselves out and take so much responsibility on their backs. Like, I gotta provide, I gotta be there, I always have to be the stable one. 
and and it breaks a lot of people down and, and you know we're, we're hearing a lot more men vocalize about being depressed and and feeling that sort of weight and pressure as as women do and um and i think we all deserve uh a few days to just say like let me go like, let me go like reconnect with myself let me go remind myself why i love me and eat some good food and smell some great trees and rolling some grass and going to run. Uh, and you know, we come back better people. So I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. And, uh, in closing, what is one challenge you have for the listeners after they finish listening to this episode, one challenge you have for them? One challenge. Um, I set this for myself, but, um, I, I'm my happiest when I'm giving and I know I need to do that in moderation and, and be aware of my energy and space when I'm giving too much or doing too much. But, um, you know, if you think of a world to where, yeah, we have to prioritize ourselves, but if we do something nice for someone else, whether, and it could be something so simple, um, make an introduction, help someone pay for a meal, um, open a door for someone I'm, I'm going to donate blood later today. Um, try to implement more things to where, you know, you don't get, you know, you, you're not trying to get anything out of it other than just doing better for your community, for your world and environment. So I challenge everyone listening in 2024 to, um, to give yourself that, to say, let me, let me think of more ways that fit in my life and routine and schedule that I could give back more and make this world a better place. Cause that's, that's how we all succeed. And, um, you know, and I like, I truly believe in, and, uh, you know, if we all come together, there's, there's so many amazing things we can do. Yeah. I completely, completely agree. Give more ladies and gentlemen. And at the same time you, you attract more into your life. Tyler, where yeah. can people uh, connect with you? Best way to find you. Uh, Instagram. I'm, I'm, I'm on way too much more than I like to admit. So, uh, <laughs> at Tyler.Henry, uh, not to be mistaken with the medium, Tyler Henry, uh, I was born first. So I, I'm, I'm coming for my name back soon. Great. I'll have that linked up below. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, if you enjoyed this episode, screenshot it, post it to your IG story, tag Tyler. That's at Tyler.Henry. Tag me at Bob A, B-O, three B's, four A's and a Y. Let us know what you thought of this episode. It's the beginning of 2024 when you're hearing this, and I hope this is a good way for you to jumpstart the new year. Tyler, thank you for being on. It's been a pleasure, man, and uh, I look forward to seeing you sometime either in LA, if you're in Austin. Thank you again for those ACL tickets, but uh, big fan of you, brother, and, and I appreciate you carving out the time. Awesome. Talk to you soon. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the Bearded Man Podcast.